Jackson live from the ESPN 690 and the Living Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. The year's been fun. You know, we, we talk about trying to make history, but, uh, you know, history is one day at a time. You know, we challenge ourselves as a program, uh, the staff, players, everybody who's involved with our program, and just take every day uh, step by step and not to get not to look too much into the past and not look too much into the future, but kind of live in the moment. For us, um, like I said, we're happy where we're at, but at the same time, we're still hungry and we want to continue to kind of see how this journey where it takes us. I think that's Jordan Bincy from our conversation on Friday. Ooh, big game. With the JU Dolphins. And how about this? The Dolphins win over Jacksonville State 54-51. And now they play Bellarmine tomorrow at 5. That game will be on during our show. And uh, and when they go to the dance for the first time since 1986. Let me ask you this. Is it correct to say that the Jacksonville State head coach got coach of the year in the conference? He did. Can I ask why? I mean, I don't well, they win the regular season championship. Okay, but I don't know where. The, I kind of forget where they were picked. Okay. So. Okay. But I, I mean, I, mean, I didn't see the, the, the turnaround of JU basketball, though. I know. I, I, you could certainly make the case, yeah. obviously. And it was a little surprising, but Sam, I mean, Jacksonville State. They were the best team in the league. I don't think people anticipated that to happen. Okay. So, but now it uh, comes down to Bellarmine and JU. It's really amazing to me that the JU Dolphins haven't been to the NCAA tournament since 1986. Mm-hmm. It's actually, like, unbelievable. When I first got to town in 08... In 09 and I think 2010, they were, I think, played East Tennessee State both years. They might have played East Tennessee State one year and Belmont the other year. That was when Belmont was in the conference. And Cliff Warren had JU in the championship game twice in a row. And I always remember that because they lost the championship game. And if he had won one of them, and Warren was former assistant at Siena, so we're familiar with him. And if, uh, if he had won... One of those games, those championship games, he would have, boom, got a job somewhere else. Yeah. Like, it would have propelled him to get a job somewhere else. I'd say, wants to leave JU, but he would have got a bigger job, I think. And they didn't win those games, and he didn't. A couple years later, he would get fired. And uh, I think he ended up back on Paul Hewitt's staff at uh, Georgia Tech soon after that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, And since then, they haven't really even come close. But it's really amazing, given the tradition of JU basketball with Artis Gilmore and the success of the early 70s, including the championship game loss to UCLA, that it hasn't been since 1986 that the Dolphins have been to the NCAA tournament. Well, they have a chance to change that around. And in year one of Jordan Mincy, I mean, it's really an incredible story what Mincy's been able to do and what the JU Dolphins are doing. And uh, maybe even got a bit of a break. Now, Bellarmine's not easy, okay? Bellarmine's good, but to not have to play at Liberty, I think, is a Pretty good break. So how are they playing at Bellarmine? Are they playing at Bellarmine, correct? Yeah. But how they have the better record than they, Bellarmine. Yeah, must have um, in the the top four teams had made the semifinals. So it was Liberty and Bellarmine and JU and okay. uh, Jacksonville State. And obviously in that shakeout, I think JU must have been the fourth team okay. out of the four. Right. Uh, so they got to go on the road and do it. Um, and uh, we'll see We'll see what happens tomorrow night, 5 o'clock, chance to dance for uh, the JU Dolphins. So good luck. We'll talk a little bit more about it tomorrow, but It'll be a big moment for JU. And, and I, I will say this. I told somebody, Tess, that they, for a while there, they they didn't put enough behind basketball, quite frankly. 
basketball is their staple program. And Jacksonville University, I, I don't know if they, they kind of forgot about that or they were growing in other sports. So it's, I, I don't want to be too critical of them, mm-hmm. but basketball should always be their, I, I think, the staple program because if you go to the tournament, it's my view, if you go to the tournament once out of every five years, once out of every six years, the amount of exposure free advertising, admissions, everything else that you get from going to the NCAA tournament, it lasts you for another five years. Mm -hmm. I mean, UNF went in 2015. I think they still feel it. It could be time again to kind of refresh that and go. Um, If you take Florida Gulf Coast and that run they had for like a couple years in a row, I think they're still working off Dunk City. Yeah, I was going to say Dunk City. I remember that. Like they're still working off those trips. And they've been good. But that's how much it impacts. Like, that's a major impact of mm-hmm. your, to your basketball program. So give credit to Tim Cost and Alex Ricker-Gilbert in the last few years especially. They refocused the attention onto the basketball program. They admitted and said publicly, they're like, this is our flagship program. This is what it, JU's, we, we love all our sports, but JU basketball is king, essentially is what they said, and it should be given their tradition, history, and what you can do if you make the NCAA tournament. They built a practice facility. They obviously made a good hire right now in Jordan Mincy. I will wonder this now. If Mincy wins, does does he stay at JU? I mean, if you go to the NCAA tournament, people are going to come knocking. That's a hell of a job in one year turning them around. So be interesting to see what happens um, uh, in regards to that. But uh, good luck to JU. We'll talk a little bit more about it tomorrow as they get set to tip off against uh, Bellarmine. I love that stuff. I really do. I really love mid-major basketball because I grew up around it. And then I worked in Albany where Siena and, and Albany, they were going to the tournament. It's fun. It, it, like, I think locally, I think you can, you'll feel a little bit of buzz if mm-hmm. they do go. We felt that in 2015 with UNF around here. This isn't a huge college basketball area. It really isn't. Um, and and JUUNF kind of have to do this to get people's attention, yeah. quite frankly. And so... I think if they go, I think you'll – I no doubt there's a buzz on campus already, but I think you'll be a little buzz in the city, which is kind of neat um, as we head into the NCAA tournament. So that would be really cool if JU uh, uh, wins tomorrow night in the ASUN championship game. It'll be on ESPN2 at 5 o'clock. Uh, kind of an interesting time slot, but to get to national TV, sometimes you have to do the interesting time slots here uh, during tournament week. Hey, let's get Captain Rick Riles on here in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. Florida Sportsman Fishing Report. Captain Rick, hope you had a good weekend, man. Oh, Brent, I had a great weekend. Hey, I had a question for you talking about J.U. Who was first, who was J.U.'s first All-American? Um, I mean, are you, you're, you're trying to trick me here and it's not like Artis no. Gilmore. It's not artist. It's uh, no. was it Rex Morgan? I know. I am pretty sure. Now I'm not positive, but Ju had a star, a real star, almost a decade before that, named Roger Strickland. Oh yeah. And yeah. and the reason I the reason I know that was he lived down the street from me. Okay. Yeah. But um, no, that that uh, and didn't he make All American? I will have to look it up. Okay. All right. You're but anyway, challenging me. It, <laughs> yeah, you know what your problem is, Brent? You're just too darn young, right? <laughs> if you were one of those old guys, you'd know that kind of stuff. <laughs> pretty, pretty good weekend fishing. In fact, very good weekend fishing for some boats. The short story uh, with this season's uh, first Blue Marlin release. I believe that was on Saturday. That's a good one. Now, the J-Hook 
Had a pretty good weekend on sailfish. They had three. They were three for five. They had five sailfish bites on Saturday. Caught three of them. So that's not bad. There were some mahi caught, some tuna. Wasn't great. Yesterday, the Jody Lynn 2 had two mahis, two tunas, and one sail. So that's not a great day, but it's uh, getting a little better, and it's adequate. We actually had quite a slump on Thursday and Friday. Talked several boats didn't get a bite out in the deep water. So sounds like it's picking back up. Redfish are off of the worm edge. That's all gone away. They're biting again. In fact, they're doing something unusual for springtime. We normally only see them what we call backing, where they're actually swimming with their backs out of the water, tight to the uh, banks of the creeks. Uh, we usually only see that in the fall. We're seeing it right now. Those fish were up today with their backs out. David Boris, Tony Bacella, all, uh, all of them, Bazelli rather, all of them reported great action with the redfish today and the first of the big spawning trout. We're going to have wind all week. Nobody's going to be offshore, but it looks like it's going to stay warm. That's going to bode very well for the inshore fishermen. An outstanding El Chipo uh, sheepshead tournament was held on Saturday with an 11.43-pound sheepshead win in the tournament. That's a monster, I can promise you that. So inshore fishing's good. That's going to be the best of it for this week. We won't be in the ocean before next week, but you can count on us to be back tomorrow with another fishing report brought to you by Workman's Quick Fix Plumbing and CSS Landscaping. Okay. Thank you, boys. Don't go anywhere, Captain Rick. I've got answers for you because Google is a thing, and it's fast. Uh-huh. So Strickland was a two-time All-American. All right. Well, Called it. Well, and, see. And, and by the way, Bishop Kenny guy, and but he actually started yep. his career at Notre Dame. Before transferring, oh, b- I didn't remember that. JU. I didn't remember that. And yeah. uh, I'll give you one more. He was the uh, seventh overall pick of the Los Angeles Lakers back in 1963. Oh, that's cool. So that's cool. Go. Well, if anybody wants to know, his neighbor down the street was me. Okay, oh, and right. if anybody asked you that, is it, did they show that on Google? No, they did not the, say that, Captain Rick. Wikipedia. I'm only surprised. Put it, yeah, put we, it just add it. we can add it in, though. We can add it in. <laughs> <laughs> we got you. All right. All right, if, man. If you have, if, hey, Brandon, if you have any other ancient history questions, give me a call, will you? <laughs> Thank you. We will. We have you on speed dial. Thank you. <laughs> Later on, boys. That's Captain Rick, local historian. That's <laughs> <laughs> says uh, so. I always have interest. Actually, it got me now looking at, at Roger Strickland, and um, he was drafted in '62, actually, by the uh, Celtics. Hmm. So it's interesting. Back, you could go get redrafted. Yeah, you go back. You know, just obviously different. Um, how it all worked. Yeah, back then. But yeah, so there you go. Probably, probably Strickland. told Larry Bird to get him some water. <laughs> or was that a little too young? Or, yeah, he's yeah, a little yeah, too yeah, young. A little too young. Okay. Yeah, a little yeah, too yeah, young at the yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Jason Tatum, though. He's no Jason Tatum. He's a, hey, a few are, Brent. few are, man. Uh, football at five. Let's talk about talk a little football. We've got fishing in. We've got a little basketball in. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martino, Austin Lane. Brian Middleton here on a Monday of Players Week. We'll be out at the tournament, of course, coming up uh, the next few days. Franchise tag season ends tomorrow. Uh any surprise, by the way, that Godwin is off the board for uh, the Bucks? Not really. I am surprised a little bit by Njoku for the, for the Browns. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's kind of their second option, I feel like, behind Austin uh, Hooper. Oh, not only that, but there was uh, – didn't he want out at one point like last did. year? Yeah. And then they kind of rectified everything, and, and now they're keeping him again. Yeah. So, you expect Devontae Adams to get franchise or no? I mean, they. 
I mean, yeah, I think that they're going to fr- – because here's what I think. I think they're going to try to franchise tag him and then give him a new contract to try to coax Aaron Rodgers to coming back because that's what it's going to take. But even though yeah, – was it Guttenkunst, the, the, um, yeah, the, the GM, GM um, said that he doesn't like franchising guys and he doesn't see himself franchising uh, Devonta Adams, I think they're going to – I mean, you have to. You, just can't, you can't let him walk. Like, if worse comes to worse, you franchise tag him, you get some dra- – you know, you get some capital from him in trading. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I, I think if they're going to keep Aaron Rodgers, they're going to definitely keep Devontae Adams. You have to. Some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Okay, now this Aaron Rodgers deal. There's a report out of Green Bay that it's going to, like, alter the quarterback market. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes just got a half a billion dollar deal. That kind of is altering. <laughs> it's like $45 million a year, yes. essentially. Yeah. And now quarterbacks are making $40 million a year, like, if you're good. The Josh Allens, maybe Lamar Jacksons, maybe Kyler Murray if he gets his way, right? Mm-hmm. They're talking about 35 to 40 with Derek Carr. Like, it's the going rate. How do you alter the market if you're Aaron Rodgers at 38 years old and the Green Bay Packers have offered you a deal where they're already strapped for cash according to the salary cap? Which might not be real. We're trying to figure that out still. So... I'm trying to think of how they could reset the market. Now, you can, like you just said, you can make the numbers work in mysterious ways. But, I mean, is this a $50 million deal for one year? For Aaron Rodgers, is, is he getting part ownership? And does that have to pass city council approval in Green Bay? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah I know, I know. <laughs> so, Green Bay right now... $29 million, almost $30 million over the, the salary cap. And see, like when you say like words like monumental and like, you know, changing the game. Okay, so what's the plan? You're going to make him the highest paid quarterback when you have the second to worst salary cap set up right now in the NFL. How is that going to work in terms of retaining guys that can help you go to a Super Bowl? Like to me, it doesn't. So then if that's the case, and it's supposed to be, like, groundbreaking, unheard of, I think we're talking about, like, ownership of, like, stock of the, of the franchise. And I think in doing that, it does one of two things. Number one, it takes money off the books in terms of saying, okay, well, we're not worried about the salary cap because now, you know, some of your, your equity, some of your income is going to be coming from the organization directly and not from, you know, what we have to do to move on the salary cap. That's the first thing. I think number two, it sets him up for the future where if he wants to have some sort of job within the, 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 the Green Bay Packers, that kind of sets him up for life. So that's what I think they're going with. So here's the thing. Here's what is being reported, at least by ESPN and I think even others, that they've made – it's a long-term contract offer, which if it is long-term, then that allows them at least some flexibility early in the contract potentially. Because they're basically saying, hey, it could be like a four-year deal, even though you're going to be 42, but we're going to give you a ton of money during that stretch. But, hey, we don't want to count a lot of it against the books this year, you know, and then maybe gives you the flexibility that way. I'm not a salary cap genius, but I think if as opposed to just a one-year deal, which right now I think he already counts like – I'm like $46 I think Roger says we have one year left on his deal would count $46 against the cap. So – if he gets an extension, that lowers way down. So you could then save probably some $20 million, yeah. maybe even more, depending on how they, they structure it. So that's advantageous, actually, for 
the Green Bay Packers to do that and at least clear some of that space. And then we'll see what else they decide to do. Um, but again, there's there's no way they do a Rodgers deal without also doing a Devontae Adams deal, in my opinion. So you're going to be pretty tight. The other thing is this. If they do a four-year deal for Aaron Rodgers, they totally wasted the first-round pick oh, on yeah. Jordan Love. Sure. What does it say about Jordan Love, then? What does it, it say about him? Yeah. And, and by the way, you created a mess and a rift with Aaron Rodgers. Because of that. Because of that. Because you didn't use it on a weapon. Mm-hmm. And... You actually push, pigeonhole yourself potentially to have to keep Devontae Adams instead of going to get a new flight receiver that maybe is the next guy. That, that which, maybe it was better to do that. Like, I got to forget who was available yeah. in that draft. But, but which, by the way, is probably going to be the highest paid by receiver then on top of that. That's it. So how are you going to swindle this where you have the highest paid wide receiver, the highest paid quarterback, and, and still a Super have, Bowl competitor, right? Well, Contender. That, and yeah, and, and, and where you're at with the salary cap. How does all like listen? I don't buy into the salary cap. I think it's an urban legend. But even I can see like something's not right here. I tell you what it looks like though. It's pretty clear that I think that the Packers are trying to make it work, and they yeah. have they have been even unwilling to admit that anybody's called about a trade, which, which I is totally completely, come on, not true. Yeah, like you know, Denver, are you know, Denver, Denver's literally trying to rearrange everything to get him. I'll tell you what else is interesting, Austin. I mean, it really felt, I'm not saying Nathaniel Hackett took the job thinking that he's going to get Aaron Rodgers. I'd said that right back at that point, I said, that's dangerous. Sure. You can't do that. He, he would take the job anyway. He'd be a head coach in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But it really ruffles some of the things that maybe they had planned. Like, there are some thoughts in Denver that they could get Rodgers and Adams yeah. to go along with Hackett. I mean, this is just huge, the domino effect, the decision with Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers says, he said on McAfee's show last week, I think it was, that he wants to have a decision made and the story told to Green Bay by tomorrow. He said the franchise tag deadline. Yeah. So we could get some clarity on this situation as soon as tomorrow, which then the rest of the league dominoes start to fall. Of course, of course. Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know how they're going to swing this, man. I, I really don't. It'd be and a great escape from a dollar standpoint if they can. You, you, you make a movie about it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not money ball, money ball part in two. Oakland, but like you, you <laughs> somehow make it so your team is not in the whole. I don't know. I don't know. Pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we're scheduled to have Leroy Butler on tomorrow. I can't wait. So we can ask him oh, about the Green Bay situation. My, my inner child is so excited yeah, for that's this cool. one. Yeah, that's I good. can't wait. Uh, we'll have him on. Of course, uh, I'll be inducted into the Hall of Fame come August as well, along with Tony Baselli. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. If you missed it and just getting out of work and jumping in the car and listening, we appreciate it, number one. But number two, big story, Calvin Ridley suspended by the NFL for a year. For betting on football. More on that story on the way. We're here until 6 on ESPN 690. I think the Cowboys offense is better moving forward without Amari Cooper. The reason I say that is twofold. Number one, I believe the Cowboys, with Kellen Moore as their play caller, with Dak Prescott and the pieces that they have, are better in a 12 personnel setting. One back, two tight ends. Both those tight ends being a Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz. I think that they're better uh, with those two tight ends on the field and two good receivers like a Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb. They operate cleaner. They're more efficient. That is Dan Orlovsky. So I'm giving that guy a key to the city. (laughs) 
Who's getting it first, him or uh, Mike Tyrenbaum? Oh, uh, probably Orlovsky. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tannenbaum's invited, though. I know he is. Invited to the ceremony, at the very least. I'm sure he is. He he gets, like, a... It's not a key, but he gets, like, plaque. Uh, yeah, there you go. Plaque to the city. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets plaque. a signed Tim McGraw album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gets a stone from the, expl- uh, gets, the, the explosion this weekend. He gets a stone. Yeah. <laughs> He gets a stone from the explosion, a signed Tim McGraw album, and one free month worth of, what is it, the Universal Network, which is on with 1883, whatever that show is with Tim McGraw. Oh, no, that's uh, Paramount. Paramount. <laughs> and, and, and he gets uh, one free month of the Paramount Network, compliments of Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. Okay. Yes. Very good. Yeah. I like it. Brent Martin along with... Did you finish uh, it? Oh. Nah, I'm on like oh. episode six. I don't okay. even know how many episodes there are, but it took a little hiatus for a couple of weeks. So okay. did I. Okay. <laughs> so I caught back up to one of them. All right. But, um, yeah, I haven't finished. Keep us posted. But, again, I'm not even sure if it's finished. Like, I don't know if they've played no, it a lot. I, I've heard that it's... I thought it's done in, like, the, the season finale is, like, a big shock. Oh, so it is. Spoiler. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's either that or Batman. I'll go with 1883, I guess. Yeah. Well, make sure you got about Did Batman to... break records? I mean, it's doing well for itself. Yeah, I'm not sure what, what the records are, but it's doing pretty well for itself. Like I said, though, make sure you have enough time planned out because it is a three-hour movie. True. Yes. Middleton, I forget where it's where you fell on the Batman front. Oh, he's he's down. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. going to go watch it. Yeah, he, he won't be producing oh, the show if yet. he wasn't No, down. I have not yet, but I am definitely going to see well, it. Well, you have like 14 jobs, so. Something like that. So the, the movie made $5.3 million from its international route this week, um, and the U.S. numbers are still to come. But I guess it's... A box office record in some sort. Oh, it says yeah. it's a record. Yeah, that's five point three million. Doesn't sound like that's no, crazy. The international rollout. Um, it's projected to bring in as much as two hundred forty-five million over its opening frame to help reignite the bo- box office. Wow. So how about that? Yeah. Are they saying basically the box office has been down? I, I think just with COVID and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boy, that's a lot of money. How much do you think it ma- it costs to make it? That's a good call. I have no idea. I don't even know what a movie costs these days. Yeah. That's got to be an expensive one to make, especially since it was three hours. Correct. It's a lot of lunch breaks. Yeah, it's, a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of catering. It's a lot, it's a lot of catering. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, that movie can't be cheap. Who is the best player in this year's draft? So, okay. When you say the best. I'm not saying the guy who should take yeah. it number one. Yep. The best player. We're going to come away from the draft in 10 years or five years or whatever. We're going to say that was the best player in the draft. Now, again, I mean, you, it's, it could be some fourth-round guy that does, you know, I'm yeah, not yeah, telling, yeah, yeah, asking yeah. you to predict, like, some needle in a haystack. Yeah. Of the people that people everybody's talking about, you know, listen, I go here. I could I can make the case Kyle Hamilton is the best player in the draft. I can make the case Nicole Dean. Is the best That's player kind of where I was leaning. Make the case Jordan bit. Davis is the best player in the draft. Yeah. I am probably going to see. Here's where I'm coming from. I could say Kyle Hamilton, right? But the safety from Georgia now, everyone's on him saying he's going to be taken maybe even higher than Kyle Hamilton. I forgot yeah. the guy's name. I feel like a guy. Like Nicobe Dean, I mean, there's the dude from Utah, uh, Lloyd. Yeah. People, are, but yeah, I think yeah. like Nicobe Dean, hands down, is the best linebacker of this draft class. I think so. And I think Jordan Davis, hands down, is the best defensive tackle of that draft class. So like, if you want to say who the best player is going to be, well, I can say Hutchinson, but maybe Thibodeau. 
I I can say Neil, but maybe Quan. Like I think if I say Davis or if I say Nicobe Dean, I got a pretty good shot there. So I think go ahead and give me Nicobe Dean. Yeah. By the way, I wouldn't. I'd sign up for that. Like I think yeah. he's going to be really good. And so you you might you might have seen me tweet this over the weekend, but I was. I, I think it was Mina Kimes who put something out, out on Kyle Hamilton yeah, and show his versatility in, in today's day and age of where you can line up in 50 different ways and how you utilize that guy. And everybody sees safety and is like, well, yeah, but he's a safety. Should it be a top three pick? Should it be a top five pick? Should it be a top ten pick? Wherever it is. Because we see value. And I got a lot of those responses. I'm like, basically what I said is, if you think he's the number, if you think he's the best player in the draft, well, shouldn't the team with the number one pick pick the best player in the draft, especially if they don't think if they don't need a quarterback? Like I understand sure. why quarterback gets shoved up, but I think we get really wrapped up in this way of thinking, this value way of thinking of position. Well, you tell me a guy that can line up in like four different positions, and then the way the game has evolved today, where he can be a, a game wrecker on defense and a, a game adjuster on defense then there, there's not value in that? There's more value in the left tackle who's blocking? Like, I don't know. Like, is it, are we too wrapped up in and pigeonholed in our way of thinking to just say, hey, let's take the best player in the draft. You have the chance to get the best player. Does it have to be a left tackle? Does it have to be a pass rusher? I would say no. And I understand why everybody would be like, that's too far outside the box, Brent. But I'm telling you right now, if they took Kyle Hamilton number one overall, I wouldn't be mad at it because I think he's a great player. I think he's going to be he, a great player. But is he the best safety, though? Well, again, because now, cause the, they, they have to, well, they have to yeah, win, right? Because they're a little down on Kyle Hamilton now after that 40. I mean, it's, it's a 40-yard dash. Who really cares? But they're a little down on Kyle Hamilton now. Like he, I don't want to say he like lost some stock, but... There's other safeties and players like, in this position getting t- talked about more than him right now. But I would just say insert player, Jordan Davis. Yes. Do you think Jordan Davis is the best player in this draft? By the way, I could also say that is one of the biggest needs on this football team. I understand a little bit need meets best. Like, that does happen. And while teams will say, we're going to take the best player available, everybody still comes back to need a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, listen, if the, best co- if the best player available was Kenny Pickett, You're not taking quarterback, so you're not taking BPA, right? Because you don't need quarterback. But the Jags need a lot, and the Jags need playmakers, and the Jags need blue chippers. And so Jordan Davis fits that. I I think it's a stretch for N'Kobe Dean, but Kyle Hamilton fits that, and and he's versatile to play a bunch of different positions. But but I've said this before, Brent. Give me the top three safeties in the NFL right now. Like, how much does the safety position really... Like, you had the best safety probably in Jamal Adams go to Seattle. What did it do for that defense? Yeah. I don't know if that was Jamal Adams' fault. Just, I mean, it's... Well, I mean, you're, you're out there... I mean, listen, I'm, you gotta I'm not telling some. you one player is going to change everything. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is really good. You still got to put people no, around No, for him. sure. But uh, I'm trying to tell you that I think a defensive tackle would have more impact on the game than a safety. Well, that's fine. Especially if you... Like, I, I guess I just wonder privately, if you took these scouts, if you took 10 of them, Mm-hmm. And you said, give me the top five guys. Like, Jeremiah does this, and the guys outside the league do this, or that analyze the league do this. They say, hey, give me your – they rate the players. Like, Jeremiah does, like, a top 50 list. He doesn't necessarily say, here's who I think's going number one or number six or number nine, but here's my top 50. Well, ironically, he actually has – I think the two left tackles are, like, a top two on his list. Okay, yeah. But 
and like Kenny Pickett's like number 32 on his list or something. You know yeah, what I mean? Let's see what we got here. Um, but if you really took somebody's list like that and there was some like universal thought that a Jordan Davis or a Hamilton or someone that's not a left tackle, a quarterback, a, a defensive end, would you take that person, number one, because one, you do need it, and two, they're the blue chip guy and the best player in the draft, you think, or it's rated that way. I think this draft's a little hard to ask that question because it's pretty wide open. Mm-hmm. I think you could make the case for Evan Neal. I think you can make the case for Aquano. I think you can make the case for Hutchinson. I think for Hamilton. I think for Dean. I think for Jordan Davis. Like, I can make the case. Heck, you might make the case for Jamison Williams, quite frankly. He's just injured. You might be able to make the case that there are six, seven, eight guys that fit the best guy in this draft. And, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder then. So that opens the door for you to then go more need and all those things. There's not a consensus, probably number one guy um, in this draft. And so, but I just under, I just wonder if we'll get to a point and, and the Jags maybe in this situation, because they're in this situation, I bring it up that you just, if you pick a number one, you don't need quarterback necessarily. Do you just take the best player in the draft? Yeah. <laughs> and the bottom line is, I ask that question, and I get a lot of responses. Responses like, "No, you don't." Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Like, I, I don't think you take a Kyle Hamilton. I, I think only so much a safety can do for you. Like, if you had a legit defense, and all you needed was that one final piece, then by all means, take Kyle Hamilton. You know, like risk it for the biscuit. Take my number one and see what happens. Have fun with it. Okay, fine. But like, if you look at this team. And it's not so much of even a value standpoint. It's just the fact of you have bigger holes to fill right now. Like, sure, Kyle Hamilton might be the most talented player out there, but you need an edge rusher, all right? You you, you might need an offensive tackle. Safety is just not on the, the list. And I get what you're saying. We're taking the best player. Okay, that's fine. But what happens if you take a guy like Kyle Hamilton and for whatever reason, maybe he doesn't adjust to the speed? Maybe that 40-yard dash did tell us something. And now all of a sudden, maybe he's a liability um, playing free safety or even a strong safety. Well, now what would you just do? You, you just shot yourselves in the foot getting a guy that was more of a luxury pick than it was actually a, a pick of need. Yeah. The last time I could think of this, by the way, in this kind of context, was I believe Isaiah Simmons. Okay. Uh, yeah. Clemson kid, right? He's, he's a Clemson guy, right? Um, that was went to Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. And I think he's come on nice. Now, now he's not like Micah Parsons' splash, but he was a guy that could you could see in multiple positions, super athletic on defense. You could move him around, yeah. but he was a linebacker by trade. And so I think he ended up going like ninth in that draft, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, but nobody was picking him number one, even though you could make the case, I think, back then during that draft. I think you could have made the case that he was like potentially the best player in the draft. Yeah. And so... He was a rookie last year? No, 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 no. no. Last year. Was like, well, did he get hurt? What was... Uh, okay, look, he played in 2020. Okay. I think Simmons is, is doing pretty well in Arizona. Well, he's got three and a half sacks in his career. 113 tackles. Oh, is he playing linebacker? Yeah, no, I mean, linebacker. yeah 113 yeah. tackles in I, his career. I think they do move him around a little bit. He's part... Now, listen, he's not... He didn't splash on like Micah Parsons, you know? Yeah. But Parsons is a great example. Like, if you could take Micah Parsons at number one now, would you? Well, he was a linebacker when you picked him. Yeah. I mean, well, well, you know, now probably, right? But, like, who's to say he's playing outside linebacker, though? Yeah. You know, like, if he would have been just a middle linebacker, no, then probably not. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's a different thing. Like, he makes more of an impact now because he's an edge rusher, and he gets after the quarterback. He, he causes turnovers.
But he easily could slide back to linebacker if you needed him. You know, he's that multiple position no, he's guy. That middle person. linebacker, but like if you got somebody at edge, you're not gonna move back to middle linebacker. Because no, like, yeah. the edge is that much more, I think, important than a middle linebacker. It'll be interesting to see how the, these. I will. I, I want to follow the Hamiltons and the Kobe Deans, and see how what kind of impact they make on their football teams. Yeah. And see if they make more of an impact than a guy like Neil, I or or a Hutchinson or a Jordan Davis. Because mm-hmm. I think you can make the case those guys are better players. Might be. Let's put a ball on the show. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. By the way, it's not a bad thing to be a Georgia Bulldog and want to be drafted. More on that and uh, a little more on the Calvin Ridley situation. We come back on ESPN 690. That's what brings the best out of me. When I when I do go up against elite competition, um, I want to prove I'm the best out there. I, I remind myself that I'm the best out there. So going up against Icky and, and having that challenge and and having my coaches say, you know, this is a good matchup and just seeing stuff, you know, around. I was excited for that, and um, we, we came up short from the win, but, you know, going against a player like him was refreshing. And Hutchinson? Nope. Any other guesses? <sighs> going against Iquanu. Can you play it one more time, please? Okay. Maybe. Maybe not. That's what brings the best out of me. When I when I do go up against elite competition, um, I want to prove I'm the best out there. I, I remind myself that I'm the best out there. So going up against Icky and, and having that challenge and, and having my coaches say, you know, this is a good matchup and just seeing stuff, you know, around. I was excited for that, and um, we, we came up short from the win, but, you know, going against a player like him was refreshing. Jermaine Johnson. You are correct. Yeah, yeah. let's go. There you go. Let's go. Setting this Monday off right. Setting the tempo. Tatum style. Salary cap this year is going to be $208 million, up 182.5 from last year. Remember, it kind of got knocked down because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so over $200 million for uh, the salary cap. Maybe some room for Aaron Rodgers at the bottom. <laughs> A little wiggle room? Uh, maybe. Uh, that's, that's the high, uh, how, do you know how much it's gone up since last year? Like the well, inflation? like I said, last year was a little bit different, but yeah. go back to 20, and it was 198. So it's okay. up $10 million from 20, which is more, it's a better relative comp than 21 because COVID, they pulled it back, yeah. actually dropped it $16 million. So it uh, should help some teams clear a little space in that regard, although they knew it was going up to that point, so or at least close to it. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Brian Middleton. Uh, big story, Calvin Ridley suspended a year for betting on the NFL in November while he was away from the team. He was basically on his couch. He's tweeted out today, I don't have a gambling problem. I bet $1,500. It's come out that he actually was flagged by, uh, like, the Hard Rock app that he bet on because the NFL has partnerships with their betting partners to red flag or flag people that bet if they're involved in the NFL, players, coaches, personnel. And so that's how it was found out that Ridley bet in November. And it actually documented like a five-day period in November. And he gets a year suspension for it. It's been a big story here on the show today, a big story in sports today. It takes Calvin Ridley off the potential trade market for all teams and essentially the Jacksonville Jaguars too. He loses $11 bucks that he could have made in 22. Mm-hmm. He will His contract will just be basically suspended for the year, and then he'll resume 
2023. And we think it's a little bit, I think we agree on this, a little bit crazy, the amount of the suspension, how long it is, um, given his situation. It's not like he was in the NFL locker room. It's not like he's out on the field performing. But he did break the rules. I mean, I'm not saying he shouldn't be punished, but it's a pretty hefty suspension. As one person put, that's a bad bet. $1,500 oh, wow. bet to lose $11 million. Yeah. Somebody, is that Stuart Weber? No. Okay. This will be out there on Twitter, of course. But. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a big story. Uh, meanwhile, Chris Godwin looks like he's going to get franchise tag. We'll yeah. see what happens over the next 24 hours or so with a guy like Devontae Adams. Could be another guy off the board. Dalton Schultz is a guy that you like. Looks yep. like he's going to get franchise tag. So we knew this was going to happen. The Jags are going to lose some possible free agents out there. It makes you wonder a little bit about Mike Williams. Now, they're again, they have cap issues, too, so they got to pick and choose. That's what happens if you have some good players. you got to pick and choose. But it looks like they're going to be willing to let Mike Williams walk no. in L.A. So what does that say? Should buyer beware? Should you go after a guy? Like If they don't well, cover they know him best. If they don't cover him to the point where they're going to find a way to keep him, should you covet him as a team that might spend so, $100 million? Real quick, though, about Mike Williams on Friday, NBC Sports wrote an article. Um, Charin Williams said that the, the Chargers are prepared to franchise take on Williams if they can't reach a long-term deal with him before March 8th. So I'm not sure how much you buy into that, but that's according to NBC Sports. So there we go. So that would tell me a lot, that they at least are trying to get it done yep. and trying to make it happen. And we'll, we'll see so, if that happens. So who are we missing here? I guess Allen Robinson... Allen Robinson is not going to get tagged, so he'll be available. No, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. But in terms of options. And then what do, they, what do the Jags do with their tag? DJ Chark, Cam yeah. Robinson, potential. Do they shift their focus if they can't get a free agent wide receiver to maybe go make a play at an Armstead and open them up to get a pass rusher? Do they make a play at pass rushers instead if they don't feel like they can get one of these free agents wide receivers? Now, there's a lot of ways to go for the Jags right now. One, because they have a lot of holes. Two, because they have a lot of money. Well, and it's like I, I talked about this to start the show off. It's going to be huge because I think depending how the franchise tag goes tomorrow with the Jaguars is going to depend on how the draft's going to go. Um, it's very hard to see this team trading out of the first spot. So they're locked into number one. So if you do tag Cam Robinson, I think that speaks volumes in terms of height by offensive linemen. You can move Walker Little to right tackle then. You know, you can move Dron Taylor down to guard because, once again, I mean, the, the guards might be, you know, we'll see how that all pans out with Norwell and, and such. So you can do that. If you opt to let Cam Robinson go, well, then really the only options are you either draft very high offensive tackle or you take a swing at Torrin Armstead, which, once again, if the Saints do indeed plan to let him go, which is a big if um, in itself, do the Jaguars have what they need to try to entice him to come here? You know I mean? Yeah, I get, you got money, but I think you need more than money, too. Sometimes you need more sometimes than money. You more sometimes money. you don't. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you don't, but sometimes you do. So, But we think there's a, there's at least word around the NFL that Doug Peterson is going to, him being the guy helps those situations. Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm, let's yeah, be honest, Urban that. Meyer, you can have guys buy in Urban Meyer, but he definitely was a red flag to some free agents as well. There were probably many free agents that didn't want, like, didn't want to experience the unexpected. And by the way, they were right. Yeah. Right? But, but do you think... Just bringing in Doug Peterson, like, in terms of the agent's perspectives, that's going to change everything now? It's like, oh, yeah, the, the Jaguars are good to go now. Don't, I, don't worry about it. I don't know if it changes everything, but I think it, it certainly made it feel better. That was the word at the Combine last week, that Doug Peterson being there overrides some of the ill wills that potentially could have existed 
this offseason with coming to Jacksonville. Okay. And so that levels it out a little bit and, and kind of controls that part of the narrative. But this is from the Jaguars or from who? Well, I think that was part of the league. Okay. Agents. agents. That was what okay. people were, were saying about agents were saying. Like, hey, we're not concerned about Bulky and the Jags. Peterson, we can do business with him. Yeah. Kind of well, that, that feel. And time will tell. But I think depending how the tag goes, depends on a lot how this draft's going to shake out. All right. Uh, hey, big uh, UFC over the weekend. Yeah. That lived up to it, huh? That was pretty good. Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it went down, I think, kind of how, how people envisioned it was going to go down. But now you can do some interesting things with Colby Covington. Calls out uh, Dustin Poirier. Yeah. So, yeah. He did. Yep. Um, I thought uh, Masvidal almost knocked. He had a, he, he had him in the fourth. He had uh, a blow that I thought might have got him. Yeah, threw a nice hook um, as Colby was coming forward. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I mean, in the fourth round, especially with with Colby's pace, I think Masvidal was a little gassed, and yeah, um, when he, you know, when he stunned Colby, just couldn't finish him off. Yeah, but you, you, so as you said, Covington was going to win. So yeah, that, that, that exact way actually. So yeah, he good. did. Yeah, um, bad decision. What's the next big fight in the UFC? What are we getting in Jacksonville? Jacksonville, you're getting Volkanovski versus the Korean Zombie. That's okay. his match, what he goes by, Korean Zombie. And then you're getting Peter Yawn versus um, Aljamain Sterling. Uh, two title fights. Okay. So that'll be big. Hopefully we're getting Austin Lane. Hopefully we get Austin Lane, too. Um, but what's the next? I can't imagine, like, is Covington, Poirier the next? Oh, the big, big one? Um, McGregor said he wants to come back. I believe in, like, the summertime, so that'll be... I mean, we'll see. You know, it's Conor McGregor, so who knows what's going to happen with that. Um, as far as, like, the must-see attraction, though, Nate Diaz is still out there. Okay. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, like, in terms of, like, the must-see fight, I mean, there's fighters fights, but I don't say, like, a must-man like man attraction yeah, fight yet. Yeah, they don't yeah. have that out there. Not right now. Usually there's one on the horizon. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, that'll do it for a Monday. We'll be out... The Players' Championship tomorrow, TPC Sawgrass. And we'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47, Fox 30. Have a good night, everybody. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.